You know what I like about when Justine does announcements? She talks fast. She is warming you up for me. It's great. It's great. All right. I have a couple announcements, too, as we get going here. The first one is on Thursday night. We are starting this I don't know, I don't want to say this year's because we don't know it every couple of years, but we're going to start an Element University. Element University is usually like a five or a six week course we take you through that uh, teaches you a lot of stuff I don't really talk about on Sunday mornings. It's a lot of information. I think it's really good information and we're going to talk about the gospel and our culture and kind of where the church has been, the places we've made missteps, how we can understand culture better around us, like how culture is defining things versus sometimes how we define things, how we can understand one another and come together. And it's going to start 6 p.m. Thursday night. And as if you need child, so you don't have to sign up, but if you need child care, you do need to sign up so that we can have enough people to take care of that for you. We're going to do two weeks of Element U, and then we're going to take a break. And then the following weekend on a Friday, Saturday, which is May 19th and 20th, we are going to do a course called Jesus, Sex, and Gender. It's going to be held out in the barn, I believe. And if we, didn't, we need you to sign up for that one as well if you need child care so we can do child care for that. It would be great to, ha- to know if you're coming. And then after that, we're going to step back in and do the last four weeks of LMEU. On the backside of that, we're really going to deal with issues, again, of culture and how the church can relate and speaking into those things. And maybe if you're like, I don't understand what's happening around me nowadays, hopefully by the end of it, you will be able to understand worldviews and how people are coming at different things and why sometimes you just always feel like you're, you're clashing because really you are speaking two different languages and hopefully I can help you to understand some of those other languages. 6 p.m. Thursday is when it starts. Now the second thing I want to tell you about is trivia. Friday night uh, is our next round of trivia, Cinco de Mayo. We will have a taco truck. Uh, it's actually Nina's Kitchen. They do the best birria, so good, and they're going to have some of that. And if they run out of food, they said they can go back to the restaurant and they can get more and bring it back so they will not run out of food. So if you want to come and get food from the taco truck, I, I at this point don't know how much things are at the taco truck. I just hear taco truck and I'm always very excited because I, taco truck. All right, so I got that. So uh, trivia is going to start at 5 p.m., that doesn't, sorry, trivia is not going to start at 5 p.m. We're going to open our doors. Nina's kitchen will be ready at 5 p.m. You're like, but I don't get off work till 5 p.m. It's okay. At 5.30, we're going to do a kids round. And then at 6 o'clock, we will start the adult trivia rounds. Adult trivia is going to go from about 6 to 7.30. Uh, we have child care for your kids. But again, if you need child care for your kids, sign up so we have enough workers to cover it. It's also good if you sign up for trivia so we know how many people are coming, get all the tables out where they're supposed to be. If you're like, but I'm just me and I'm a team of one, well, we can put you on a team with other people. If you are just like, no, no, I want to do it by myself, you can do that too. But I'm going to tell you, it's really nice when you're in a whole group and nobody can answer the question because you don't feel like as big as a dummy when everybody's a dummy. And it's really good to have people with a bunch of different ages because the questions really kind of cover a gamut of things. And some people who are younger are going to know the answers to this. And some people who are older are going to know the answer to this. And so when you come together, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. So you should sign up. You should come. It's going to be great. Trivia. And isn't something in that at all? No? Okay, thanks. Sometimes I look back and Sarah is in the back and I'm like this. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I'm not doing something right. So I just got to... 
welcome to Element if you are new. There are Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on the communion tables throughout the room. They look like this. And on the inside, you're going to get a little recap of what we talk about today. You're going to get some questions to talk to one another about. On the back, you get the verses we're covering. On the bottom, you get a place for notes. If you have a smart device, you can download an app. It is called Uversion. And once you download it, it just says Bible. You click on More and then Events in Uversion. We will come up by GPS in your smart device. And you will get sermon notes, verses, questions, announcements, everything that goes with today's message. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors at Element. Why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? This is Galatians chapter 4, verse 12, and it says, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Let's pray. Thought of this morning, we ask that you would move us to be those who understand those around us, that we would long to reach out and know those around us in ways that we can speak of the good news of who you are in a way that is understandable, just like you came to us, how you came here in flesh and drew us back to yourself. Have us begin to do that with you in the culture that is around us. Teach us to live all our lives in ways that you are glorified and that we get to live in the joy that you provide. Amen. Have a seat. All right, so we are doing a trek through the New Testament book of Galatians. This is week 16, and I was told not to apologize to you about this, but I'm going to apologize for today because I actually added today as another week. I'm not trying to make the book longer, but I'm neurotic, and I was thinking about these things, and I couldn't get off of this one verse, Galatians 4.12. So after I'd finished chapter 4, I went back and added this. You're welcome. I don't do it because I hate you. I do it because I think that these words today can really help us to find ways to step into our culture to understand one another and speak of the gospel in ways that maybe it hasn't been spoken of before. And this is going to almost directly relate to the element university that I'm talking about. Paul says here, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. That is something that will only happen in our lives when we understand what the gospel, the good news, actually is. And so the set of verses in chapter 4, verse 12, Paul starts to get really brutally honest about his feelings. You know how I like to talk about my feelings so much, <laughs> but it's really something special. So forgive me for adding it. I think by the end, you'll understand why I did it. Today's message is just going to be a little bit different. And I think if you are a Christian, it might be very practical for you in what we talk about. I was reading a lot of N.T. Wright when I was putting some of these messages together. I can tell because I got a lot of quotes by him in it. But he says in chapter 4, verse 12, it's almost like Paul does this, this whole shift and starts going from his heart. And he likens it to, he had this French instructor in school, he said, I, I never had one, but he had a French instructor in school. And in the classroom, the French instructor never spoke English. Any questions that you wanted to ask in the class, it had to be asked in French, from trivial things to deep things, all in French. He says that the teacher wanted the kids not just to read and write French, but he wanted them to start to think in French as well. So they get halfway through the semester, they take this really big test, and everybody just does horribly. So the teacher walks into the class the next day, goes to the front, and he speaks very quietly in English. And everyone's like, oh. and it's like the teacher was like, you guys did so bad, I can't even talk to you in French anymore. I got to talk to you in English. And yet it conveyed his meaning really well. Well, that's kind of what Paul does here. 
Paul, in chapter 4, verse 12, for a little bit, stops talking about theology and speaks in a different way. And it's really got to surprise the readers or hearers of this. Because for the last 8 to 10 weeks, Paul's been doing a lot of arguments and where you got to think about these things and walk through these really deep subjects. And now, like N.T. Wright's teacher, Paul kind of takes off his glasses and just starts talking in a way that conveys emotionally what he's thinking, how he feels, what's going through his head on a really personal level. So this week and next week are kind of like this heart to heart. And this is how he starts. Galatians 4.12, brothers. Now, that word brothers, it means brothers and sisters. And it's an appeal to friendship, to family loyalty. Like if we are followers of Christ, we have a brand new family. We are part of one family. So Paul says, brothers, we have a common experience by what God has done, by bringing us in. So now we are family. And if you've been in Galatians with us, that's a total change of tone. Because Paul has been like, you foolish Galatians. You bewitched Galatians, you bunch of dummies. And now he's like, brothers. (laughs) I I think it's kind of funny. And he goes, I entreat you. And that word entreat right there, it means to beg or to plead. But it's a word that is only used for those you care deeply about. You don't plead in this way with people you don't care about. So historically, Paul, when he writes this, he is most likely in jail. And so he's not speaking and entreating this way because he wants something from them. He's not going to show up the next week and say, see how nice I was in the middle of my letter? Hey, I need this. He's not going to show up and do that. His heart is heavy. He is burdened for these people. He sees them on a precipice of a cliff where they're about to fall off it and go into legalism. So if you haven't been here, briefly what has happened so far is that Paul, at a certain time in his life, was in the area of Galatia. He plants probably four to five churches based upon, you know, most good commentators who walk through this, four or five churches. And then after he plants those and gets those going, talking about grace, good news of what the gospel is, that Jesus came and gives us our worth by what he did. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we deserve to die. We get his righteousness imparted to us. That's the good news. And so he plants these churches with that grace focus. And then he leaves. And as soon as he leaves, these other teachers show up. And they say, oh, you know all that stuff that Paul said? Well, that wasn't enough. He did not teach you everything really. And what they started to say is the way you're really saved is you believe in Jesus, then you follow the Old Testament Mosaic law, and then you're saved. What Paul said is, you believe in Jesus, you're saved, and then you'll want to do the things that God calls us all to do in our lives. And so the false teachers said that belief and the law go together and equal salvation. And Paul said, no, trusting in Jesus equals salvation, and then our lives begin to be lived differently. And I hope you can see the difference in that because that's just not two ways to look at Christianity. That right there are two different religions all together. And Paul is here. He's fighting for the truth, which is something we all need to do. But Paul does it in a way that is very unique. He says, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. And this is kind of one of the ways that you look at every single person who says they love Jesus. We are all called to be ministers in the world. I know people look at me and they go, oh, that's a minister. Minister simply means servant. And yes, I have a vocation in this that God has blessed me with. I think it's a privilege most of the time uh, (laughs) to, to be able to be a pastor over you guys. But we are all, in a sense, ministers in our lives. And what Paul will do is show the difference of how he came to minister to these people versus how the false teachers came to minister to these people. 
I've told you this before, that as Christians, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus, we should be the most genuine and honest of all people in the world. Why? Because it's the gospel that saves us. It's not what we do. We do not make ourselves acceptable to God by the things that we do or how other people look at us. We are saved by the goodness of God alone. And that means when we fail, when we stumble, we can be totally honest about it. Paul here shows the essence of real ministry, what real relationship is like between us and those we want to talk to Jesus about. And there's two things that come out of verse 12, and it's why I add it and why I think it's important, that we can step into other people's lives. If you can do this with somebody you care deeply about, I think it will go a long way in helping them to understand your heart and life. Paul's basic philosophy of ministry was become like me because I became like you. One writer says this, there are two sides to that sentence and only by the power of God can you do both. So with God's strength, we get to do this. So what are those two things? So first off, Paul says, I also have become as you are. Now that's the second part of the sentence, but really that's the first thing that happened. He says, I became like you. And I was gonna try and find a way to kind of explain that, but then I realized it sounded like a weird white Yoda, so I just stopped. Uh, I'm going to go with how Paul says this. Okay, uh, if you have a Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, this is on page 622 if you're using one of the Bibles at Element. I have become as you are is that first thing that happened. So Paul shows up to the Galatians and he does this. And what he's saying is, I became flexible. I became flexible. Now, Paul expands this in other places like 1 Corinthians 9. So 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 23, this is what Paul says there. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. That's, I became as you are. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself under the law, though not be myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Again, I became as you are. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. I became as you are. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul does this because he wants them to share in what he knows about who Jesus is. And there's a lot of people who have read these verses and they misunderstand understand what Paul is saying. They think, oh, Paul's selling out. Well, there is some qualifications in this, but you must feel the weight of what Paul is saying here. Because when Paul says, to the Greeks, I became a Greek, to the Jews, I became a Jew. In our culture, we hear that and we think that sounds manipulative. It's not. Because Paul then says, to the weak, I became weak. Well, none of us want to be weak, and so you get really what's behind that. Paul comes in, he genuinely cares for these people that he wants to know them. So he wants to know what they, what they thought, what, what they are feeling, which means instead of dismissing their questions, he gets inside their questions. He gets inside their doubts. And this is one of the reasons we're going to do this element you, because we want to get inside that. He learned to feel what their feelings were, and he adapts his ministry to their problems, their needs, their difficulties, and their issues. See, the gospel, the good news of what God has done, is able to speak exactly to where we are. And Paul has a desire to know these people well enough to do that where they are in their lives. He became like one of them. Now, the interesting thing is Paul says this in the middle of the book of Galatians. He doesn't start this way. He doesn't end this way. He does it right in the middle. Once you get past this, Paul will go back to talking about the gospel itself. And Paul is unyielding on what the gospel is. But right here, takes off his glasses and speaks in, not French anymore, but speaks in English so you can understand why he says what he says. 
And Paul says, the difference between saying, believe in Jesus, obey the law, and you're saved, versus trust Jesus, you're saved, then you'll want to follow God, is the difference between saying, I'm going to be saved by my own righteousness, by what I do, versus I'm saved by Christ's righteousness, by His grace given to me. And Paul will fight and die for the grace of God. We saw in earlier chapters, he takes on the Apostle Peter, which was, I think, kind of funny in how he did it. And then Paul in Romans will also argue for grace and righteousness in Christ, basically saying that if anyone stands against the truth of who God is, Romans 3, 4, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. Earlier in Galatians, he will say, if an angel shows up in your midst and laser beams start shooting out of wherever, but it's not the gospel, you don't listen to it. Paul would be like, if there's an angel that showed up and preached something other than the gospel, I'm going to bum rush that guy. I'm going to tackle him down because it's not the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus' life, death, and resurrection given to us for us. Our worth does not come from trying to do all these things. Our worth comes because it has been given given to us. We don't have to strive for it. God gives it to us because He is good. And the mark that our hearts finally and fully understand the gospel is when we cease trying to make ourselves worthy of one another or worthy of God. And we understand that our worth comes from Himself. We are saved by what He has done. As long as we run around always trying to cover our own insecurity by bolstering our own self-esteem, we will not be resting in the grace of God. Instead, we're trying to make ourselves feel worthy of one another or worthy of God. We must rest in what He has done. So see if this makes sense. When we take the details of how a church does things or a person does things or a, I don't know, some movement does something in the world, and we insist on everything being done our way, we many times miss the gospel. We have no flexibility. If you have no give and you're rigid about everything, it usually means in a roundabout way, you're trying to convince yourself that you are right and everybody else is wrong, that you are good and everybody else is bad. Paul, so inflexible about the gospel, will say one of the marks that makes a person whose life has been transformed by the gospel, I mean, we are unyielding about the gospel. When it's central, though, we can be flexible in almost everything else. Too often, we are trying to add things to the gospel. We forget the centrality of it. Uh, last summer, we did this series called Never Read a Bible Verse, which means read more than one. Okay? Uh, and during the series, I talked to you about this guy I was having a conversation with in my office. And he got onto this thing where he was like, people must believe in a literal six-day creation account. Now, this wasn't what our conversation was about. We weren't going back and forth about this. It was some, something completely different than this, but it kept coming up. And he says, it's imperative that everyone must believe this. And so I said, okay, did Jesus say, believe in me and what I have done, plus believe in a little six-day creation account in order to be saved? And the guy went, well, no, he didn't say that. And I said, well, then neither should we. And I think there are very good conversations we can have around why God created the world and how he did it. Now, that's, that's all great. But we cannot add to the gospel. There's this great line I saw. Someone wrote this. When we add things to the gospel, we subtract from the gospel. I read this book called The Gospel Plus Nothing Equals Everything. And if we say it's not enough to trust Christ, you have to do these other things correctly or you're not a Christian, that's not Christianity. We can't add without subtracting or we ruin the message. On the other side, you can't subtract without ruining the message either. The gospel is nothing less than the atoning, substitutionary work of Jesus in our place. If anybody makes it less than that, you ruin it. It can't be altered. But this is why Paul says, 
when you understand it deeply in who you are, you can then be flexible and open-handed issues. He says, become like me because I became like you. He came, he learned, he adapted. He didn't do it to fit in or be liked. He did it because he wanted to be like Jesus himself who came as one of us. Jesus doesn't come supernatural. Jesus comes in the flesh. We use this word called incarnate. At Christmas, the incarnation of Christ, he becomes one of us. One person said, he became somebody you could hug. Uh, the book of Hebrews said, he is tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Without sin is really the important part of that. So Paul says, I became like you. And then the second part, which is the first part, it's my weird Yoda thing, right? He says, become like me. 4.12, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. And this is where Paul now starts talking about how God's going to change us, how God's going to conform us to his image and likeness. So it's not just I became like you and saying that that's it. It's that now God changes us to conform us to the image and likeness of Christ. Paul wants to help them to change, to not stay the same, because God does change and grow us. Paul tells them the kind of life he wants them to live is the life that he now lives. And this is why he has been brutally honest throughout the book about his life and what he did and, and where he's been. Sometimes people think Paul is arrogant when he says stuff like this, oh, be like me. It's not arrogant. It is someone who is filled with the power of God's Spirit because it's not natural for us to really step into places where we do both become as I am because I become as you are. We typically fall off on one side or the other of this. I'll explain what I mean. Many times you'll run into people if you're around church any length of time and they want to understand your brokenness and your sin and they're very affirming and non-confronting while being open about their own weakness and their own struggles. You've probably met some people like that. Oh, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're on this journey together, and it's a mindset that wants to affirm others so they know they're understood. And it really is beautiful because they want to come alongside one another, but usually they don't push other people. They, they just want to see where the journey takes us together. Now, on the other side of that, you have people who maybe haven't dealt with their own brokenness and sin, and instead they become very disciplined, right? Very disciplined, very demanding of themselves, and they look at everybody else around them, and they start to become demanding of everybody else around them. I think both of these types of people can be helpful when they understand themselves and the gospel well enough to understand their temperament and who God is calling them to be. In our own natural temperament, almost nobody says, become like me because I became like you. Well, what we have is a lot of people today who run around saying, become like me because I'm right. That's what people do. And liberals, conservatives, we both do it. So one side of this usually says, you know, I became like you and now I'm sort of just struggling with you. What you do is the people who, are, who really just want to walk with you on your journey, maybe you're in a swamp. You're you just, I can't believe I'm in the muck of whatever this is in my life. And they're like, oh man, and they walk over, I'm going to walk through the swamp with you. And they're in the swamp like, oh, this is so good. We're in the swamp together. How do we get out? What do we do, right? And there's, but then you got the other side who sees you in the swamp and they're like, hey, you're in the swamp. Get out of the swamp, dummy. What's wrong with you? But they don't step in. So you're like, yeah, I'm in the swamp. I'm stuck. I can't get out. I need some help. And they're just yelling at you the whole time. What does Paul do? Paul becomes like them. He steps into the swamp, into the mess of where they are. But because of the gospel, he leads them back out again. He does both sides of it. That's what, just like Jesus, right? Jesus comes into the swamp, the trailer park called Earth, that we messed up, and he comes where we are and leads us back out again. He doesn't just leave us in our mess, he leads us out. The only way to do that is by truly understanding the gospel. See, do you want to be someone who is humble and respectful 
you don't sweat the small stuff and people feel like they can share anything with you, you understand the gospel. Do you want to empathize with others even when you can't understand them? Well, you understand the gospel. Do you want to be approachable and yet strong and joyful? You understand the gospel. There's this super old movie with Jack Nicholson in it, and he's this crotchety old man. I, I think that's just the character he plays in every movie I've ever seen him in. Anyway, he meets this woman, and he wants to change because he really likes her, but he's just naturally a jerk. And at one point in this movie, the woman says, you need to give me a compliment. She's really mad at him. You need to give me a compliment. So he takes a moment, and he goes, you make me want to be a better man. And that is just like, that's the, she's shy. That's the best compliment you can give. I get that. My wife makes me want to be a better husband, but I will tell you, it pales in comparison to the gospel and the grace of God. I do not want to be better because I'm afraid of God. I want to be better because of the grace of God. So here's the question for us. Do we believe that we are only saved by the grace of God? Apart from your opinions about everything in the world, you are saved only by the grace of God. Do you believe that we have sin in our life, but when we have faith in Jesus, before and apart from our lives getting cleaned up by what we do, God can still be pleased with us? Do you believe your righteousness comes from Christ alone and you are loved and you are accepted in His sight, even with all the flaws you can point out in your own life? If and when you believe that to that degree, you can then enter people's lives with humility and respect and not have a bit of superiority because we realized how and why we are saved. You can have a joy. You can have a freedom in your own life. Last week, I told you this. If you don't understand grace, you will typically have standards in your life. And when you live up to your standard, but I'm so good. Look at all I'm doing. Man, my standards are way up here. I'm doing them all. I'm just great. I'm just wonderful. So you be bold. You'll be confident, but you are not going to be humble. You're not going to be understanding of other people who don't live to your standards. On the other side, when you fail in your own standards, well, you're going to be humble like, oh man, I totally messed up, but you're not going to be bold and joyful and confident. When we live up to our own standards, we say to other people, become like me. Look how good I'm doing. When we fail to our own standards, we say, oh, oh my goodness, I guess I became like you. I'm just a loser, just like you. you know, we just, and we start to feel bad. Oh, look how terrible I am. The reality is God's standards are so much higher than ours. We can never measure up to that, which means only by understanding the gospel could we ever be bold and confident and humble and understanding and loving at the exact same time. Why? because we are saved by God's righteousness given to us. It's not one that we manufacture. And yet, it has been given to us. And so we can be bold and humble at the exact same time. Now, I got this out of a commentary. I thought it went really well with the ending of this. And the first thing that said was this, gospel ministry, like service to one another, is culturally flexible. And that's the I became like you. A ministry that's energized by the gospel is flexible and adaptable to everything that is not the gospel. It is not tied to a specific culture and customs. And that means we can step into wherever we are seeking to reach people with an understanding. As much as we can, we can adopt some of those ways. We can love them. Legalism has a mindset that is inflexible. It is obsessed with details. You probably met people like this. Dress like this, say this, act like this. That's just it. Well, Paul was a model of someone who enters into the lives of the people he's seeking to reach, just like Jesus. Paul got to know them personally. He lived, he ate, he played, he talked, he walked with them. He found ways to appreciate them where they were, even though it wasn't really his world. Paul enters in as much as he could to their questions and their problems and their hopes and their fears, and he does it genuinely. 
The second thing is says his gospel ministry is transparent. That's where Paul says, become like me. He is open about his life. You can see my life, my failures, the places where God has you know, brought me back to himself over and over again. Paul becomes open about his heart and his life. And he says, I want you to imitate me in that. Sometimes, many times, our words are insufficient when you're trying to help someone to understand the grace that you know, and your life needs to be lived in a way that people can see it. People have to look at our hearts and our lives to see how we handle trouble and disappointment and interruptions. We do these things called baby dedications at Element, and, we, and I hold up a baby and I ask all of you when you're here, I say, will you live in front of this little one in such a way that they will know what the gospel looks like when it begins to be lived out? You have a disagreement with somebody, a problem with somebody else, and you will seek towards reconciliation so they can see what it looks like. And I say, answer, we will if you will do that. And you all go, we will. And you're a bunch of liars. <laughs> because most of the time we don't. It's like, I've got a problem there. This thing isn't working out. I'm not going to talk to them again. I'm going to write them out of my life. That's what we do. People are watching your life when you call yourself a follower of Christ. Only by understanding the gospel will you step into other people's lives in a way that says, yeah, this is where I messed up. And you know what? And this is where you messed up. And how about we come together again and begin to walk through some of these really, really hard places. The study I was uh, reading said this, We find faith mainly through relationships with joyful, flawed, but honest, loving Christians, not through arguments, information, and books. Guys, the, the truth of the gospel is going to be seen in how it affects us day to day in real, honest life. If Paul just showed up and said, oh, just be like me, and he didn't get to know the Galatians, that would have been arrogance. But Paul does not say, I want you to be as right as me. Paul says, I want you to know the joy and the confidence I have in Christ. That's what I want you to know. Third thing is this. Gospel ministry looks for opportunities no matter where we are, but that mainly takes place in hardship. Problems become possibilities. The whole reason Paul was in Galatia was he had some sickness, some illness. We'll talk about it next week, but that's how he ended up there. And Paul uses every opportunity to speak the truth of what his life revolved around. Because of the gospel, we can enter into where people are in their muck. We can invite people to enter our muck and help us. But because of the gospel, we can also lead one another out. We can be bold and confident and humble and understanding. Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. And the question is, do we trust Jesus enough to do that? Do we love him enough in our lives to be able to actually do that for one another? Because so often, I think we say we do, but the reality is it, it's hard. It's not easy to do that. But the reality is, is that Jesus himself has done it for us. And when we understand that he has stepped into where we are, we can begin to do it for one another as well. And what that means is relationships can finally begin to be restored again. There can be hope and grace and life that is extended to one another because of Christ's goodness that has been extended to us. I don't know about you. If you have maybe some relationships in your life or some friendships that are just kind of tanking and you're like, what, what do I do? I think we need to come to a place where we understand first what Christ has done, the good news of the gospel. And we look at where they are. We try and understand the places they are so we can step in. But not just step into the muck to stay in the muck, but step in to lead back out. Not to who we want them to be, but who Christ wants them to be. We lead because Christ is leading us. And we listen and trust him in the midst of wherever we are. And this is how we do real gospel ministry in the world. 
We do what Paul does. You know, we have the gospel as central, does not change. That's why we come to communion every week. It brings us back to remember, what's the gospel? Jesus Christ died in our place in order to give us his righteousness, to bring us back into relationship with God, because we couldn't do it on our own. And so you come and you break that cracker like Christ's body is broken. You dip it in the wine or the grape juice as a reminder of his body and his blood that was shed for us. And after that place, in understanding that, we then get to step out because the gospel becomes so real. And this morning, if you are like in the muck and you want a little bit of help starting to move out of that, we have people who would love to pray with you. Right across the way in the lounge, there'll be people during music, after service, well, people are throwing paper airplanes out here. <laughs> you can be in there if you need to pray with somebody and talk with somebody because maybe you're in a spot and you want some help in the muck where you are to start to walk out. Or maybe you have a friend who's stuck in muck and you don't even know how to begin the process of talking to them. We would love to be able to talk and pray with you through some of those things. We're also a church who gives. There's offering boxes on the side walls. You can give online, but we don't pass a plate. Because just like prayer, just like communion, just like singing songs, just like fellowship, it's something you do. You, it's a response to what God has done. And that's why we give the way that we do. That's why we're a generous people, because God has first been generous with us. It's all part of our worship. And I encourage you to grab those sermon notes and those questions and sit down with some people this week and start to walk through some of those questions of where you are in your life. You know, are, Do you know someone in a swamp? Are you in a swamp? How, how can you step in and understand those around you who are struggling. Maybe there's just some things in our culture right now, you're like, I just don't understand. There are lots of those, okay? I just don't understand. But how can we as believers in Christ move to a place where we can maybe understand better so that we would know how to talk about who Christ is? Because in our world today, everyone's trying to find their worth in what they do and their identity and this or that. Our worth is given to us. It's not something we strive for. It is something that God gives to us because of what he has done. And that frees us to be a people who get to live in this world in ways that are, that's full of confidence and joy because he is the one who rescues us. So let's be those people who come back and understand the gospel and it's reminded to us all the time because then we can be joyful and confident and bold and understanding and full of grace because that grace has been first given to us. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that you would teach and remind us of the gospel, of the good news. I feel like it's so often that the word gospel is just thrown out. And I feel like I'm always trying to re-explain so that it makes sense. And so I ask that you would teach us to understand the specific of what the gospel is. Your life, death, resurrection. That that is the announcement of the good news that we as a people get to come home again. And then in our understanding of the gospel, we get to see the results of that in our lives. Because the results are that we can be honest about when we're in the swamp. And that we need help. We can see other people in the muck or in a swamp and step in where they are. And with our focus not upon the muck, our focus is upon you, we could then lead others back out again. God, there's so much practicalness to understanding what good news truly is. And so I ask that your spirit would now 
just come in and remind us and give us eyes to see the great depth of what you have done to save us, that our worth is given from you, that we can have confidence because our salvation is not based upon what we do. It is based upon what you have already accomplished. And so teach us to trust that good news and in that trust to then step out, to not be myopic and look at our own little lies, but look outside of ourselves in ways that we see what you are calling us to in the world, to see people around us where they are and that our hearts will be broken for their brokenness because we understand our own brokenness. And that you would then again remind us of the good news of why and how we are saved because it changes everything. Teach us to live and walk in the good news that you have brought. We ask this in your son's good name. Amen. So we drop the curtains. Take a moment and just ask God right now, you know, what, what things are you maybe trusting in in your life? Or maybe, you know, what's your muck or what are the people around you, what muck are they in? What, what side do you fall on? Are you, are you someone who says, oh, I just became like you? Or are you someone who more typically says, just become like me? And what ways can God help you to step in and do both of those? because of your understanding of the gospel, because it is God who has rescued and brought us back to himself. There is so much pressure on us if this rests upon us, but it doesn't. There is a work of grace that God has done. And when we understand it and trust what he has done, there's a great freedom in how we get to step into one another's lives. And so ask God, you know, what side of that line do you typically fall off on? And then in grace, ask him to begin to help you do both sides of that, to see right now the places that he's calling you to step into. And ask him to give you the strength and the understanding to do that, that there would just be a deep conviction about what the gospel truly is. And then come and take communion, sing some songs with us, throw some paper airplanes in a bit. Step out into this world with an understanding that, you know what? Become like me because I'm willing to become like you, to understand because God has first done that with us.